Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Straight Out Left. I hope you're ready for a great show tonight because I'm going to be revealing the six teams that I think won this past offseason. That, and we'll be talking some twins as well, so stick around. All right. Now, if you're a longtime listener of the show, you're probably wondering where I've been for the past month. Almost a month, really. I don't think I've taken, I've never taken a hiatus this long um, in the about almost a year now that I've been doing the show. Um, but basically, I had to take a break because I moved and moving brought a lot of challenges and just a lot of things I had to take care of. And I had to prioritize it as well as giving proper priority to just other kind of life things um and work as well my full-time job so i didn't have time to really make a proper podcast episode i couldn't just sit and research baseball reference all evening like i was able to do like during the summer um but yeah i just had to prioritize some of those more important things unfortunately that just that's the reality of life is that they're just you know you got to take care of these things so good news is is that that's all selling down now i've settled into my new place and with that, I have a lot more flexibility of when I can record. I'm a lot more on my uh, schedule that I want to be on. And thankfully, I kind of picked a... This is a good time of the year to take a month-long break because most of the offseason was um, completed by that point. Most people, had, most of the big trades and signings had happened, with a couple exceptions. But yeah, I spring training is about to start in about three weeks, and I'm going to be back, and I... Got some fun stuff planned as we prep for the 2023 season. But anyway, I just want to say thank you for your patience. If you, uh, you know, we're kind of, you tuned into the show often. I mean, it's not lost to me. This isn't a very big enterprise at this time. So the few consistent listeners I have, I do appreciate. And I probably could handle this a lot more gracefully instead of just radio silence. But um, yeah, good news is I'm back and we are. Um, ready to roll for uh, the 2023 season. Spring training is only three weeks away. I'm super excited. Anyway, um, with that all being said, tonight's episode is a pretty standard uh, thing that most baseball content creators talk about, which is the recapping the offseason. The articles have come out in The Athletic and the other websites about giving people grades and rating all the signings and stuff. And I think now at this point, we can kind of look back on this offseason and kind of get the picture of, okay, this is what the teams have done, barring some more last-minute trades. Maybe the Angels do flip Otani. I doubt they do it before the season, if they do it at all. That's going to be a very interesting storyline to follow as the season progresses. But what I wanted to do was name my six quote-unquote winners of this offseason. These are six teams, um, and I think... None of these are crazy out there picks. Maybe the rankings are a little bit different than what some people would do, but my these are my top six teams I think had the best off seasons, and it's um it's kind of uh it's kind of a weird mixture. Like it's not I'm not wasn't just looking at quantity of signings, and also not just quality. Like it was you had to kind of find the medium. Like you could have signed like um spoiler like the Padres aren't on here. They signed. They got the big name in Bogarts, but they didn't do a ton else. They brought in some pieces like Cruz and Lugo and Carpenter 
and they kept Robert Suarez, but just not quite top six material. Top six, I just couldn't pick a top five. So top six, I'm, you know, it's still a pretty top top uh, 20% of the league. So, you know, nice round number. But yeah, these are my um, six quote-unquote winners of the offseason. Um, I didn't really rank uh, losers of the offseason. I can talk in a second once we're done with the positive list about maybe some teams that really, really disappointed. Not just like, oh, a tanking team who knows they're not going to do in, do anything doesn't sign anyone i mean like actually confusing disappointing what the heck are you doing kind of off seasons i think a few teams come to everyone's mind but anyway let's get this uh show on the road right here um starting with number six i'm gonna go with the new york yankees i think the yankees had as much as a uh, not yankees fan that i am i don't know if that makes sense but you know, not a Yankees fan, but I definitely have to give them props for what they did this offseason. This was a case of not as much quantity, but super high quality, which just made the whole picture um, just made the whole picture better. So coming this offseason, the Yankees, of course, the big thing was, are they going to keep Aaron Judge? Are they going to be able to bring him back? He just had one of the greatest offensive seasons in history. American League home run king, um, et cetera, et cetera. Not dismissing a season, of course, but everyone everyone knows like one the greatest offensive season of last year, one of the greatest of all time. Pretty much the main reason the Yankees were able to make the playoffs. Um, so, like, what do you do? You're facing your franchise, an icon. Do you let them walk? How much? You're the Yankees, but still, there are teams that other teams like San Francisco and L.A. who are really trying to pony up and get this guy. Um, so what do they do? They outbid everyone and give him a nine-year, $360 million deal, which is crazy. I uh, Yeah, crazy money, but they brought him back, which is huge. Because, again, just losing him after that season, after 2022, how everything went, would have been super demoralizing and deflating. So in a sense, you have to bring him back, but it's not like that's – it's easier said than done. I mean, again – I feel like um, most people would be like, well, it's the Yankees. They can get anyone they want. And that's true. That is true. But he, so many other teams, I mean, the Dodgers can pound, match the Yankees pound for pound, dollar for dollar, I feel like. And the Giants were really, really trying to get them. Uh, John Hammond gave everyone, raised the blood pressure of every American or every every American baseball fan, especially those in San Francisco and New York. Um saying, of course, the whole arson judge thing, which was absolutely hilarious to watch play out. But, yeah. Everyone's scared he's going to San Francisco and say comes back to the Yankees. So, you know, kind of a like a thing where it's like you had to do that. There isn't necessarily a bonus kind of cherry on top kind of thing that you brought back, but definitely needed to be done, and they got it done. So big props to them. As well as, now this is where I think this really solidifies their offseason, Bring in Carlos Rodon, who's coming off one of the best seasons of his career. Signing him to a six-year, $162 million deal. Stealing him from the Giants, I might add. That's not stealing him. I mean, he was a free agent. But Giants probably wanted to bring him back. But yeah, Rodon over these past two years has really finally um, developed into the first-round pick, that first-round talent that the White Sox saw in him back in the day. Over his past two years, he's been mostly healthy. 2.67 ERA over 55 starts, 
a whip of 0.998. So slightly less than one, but you know, really nice. And over 12 strikeouts per nine innings and a FIP of 2.42. So it's even better than the actual ERA. And you might be thinking, okay, that's great. They got their ace. And the thing is, is that that's not even completely the case because they already have Garrett Cole and they have Nestor Cortez. Rodon slots in there nicely. I think it's the number two behind Cole, but that one, two, three punch of Cole, Sever, uh, no, Cole, Rodon, and Cortez is really solid. And you throw in the fact that Luis Severino is hopefully going to be healthy, healthy this year, and you have him as your number four. And we know what Severino, Severino is, has ace material when he's healthy. And you know, in 19 starts last year, 3.18 ERA, whip of one over a strikeout per inning on average. You know, that's definitely pretty solid for number four. I'll just say that. So the Yankees see the division that they're in. They see it. They have to play with the pesky Rays and the Blue Jays, who also made a bunch of moves this offseason. They see it. They lost some guys like um, Jamison Tyone. They lost him from the rotation. And uh, Ben Tendy's gone. They didn't really fill the outfield spot that much. But, you know, seeing that a key contributor of their rotation was leaving, they went out and they got arguably the best pitcher on the market. Huge, huge for the team. And they brought back Anthony Rizzo as well, who's a great clubhouse guy, great, well-suited hitting style for Yankee Stadium, just takes advantage of of that lefty short porch all the time. So, yeah, um, the Yankees had a really nice offseason. And I have to, uh, I definitely have to acknowledge it as a Twins fan. Uh, Segwaying very nicely into my number five team. Um, no bias, I promise. I think that my Minnesota Twins had were another winner of this offseason. Um, what a what a crazy wild ride this was. I mean, if you ask me, um, I don't know. At the new year, I would have said that no, the uh, Twins had a terrible offseason we didn't we let Korea go to the Giants oh wait no I mean to the Mets um and we haven't really done anything except uh sign Chris Pack to an extension for some reason after seeing him only pitch five games this past year somehow Korea's physical with the Mets doesn't well not somehow we know why his ankle um somehow Korea just falls in our lap and he agrees to this very interesting deal with the twins where he's locked up for six guaranteed years with vesting options add on for a few more at the end but we have our franchise shortstop Correa is staying in coming back to minnesota and staying put for a long time hoping his ankle is healthy it's uh it's a it was a whole weird situation i covered it a lot and yeah we'll just have to see how that plays out but it's a lot of intrigue but definitely you got i got i had to feel good it was you know, uh, such an improbable situation that Minnesota somehow came on out on top in the Korea sweepstakes. And again, I'm aware of the risks. I'm not just blindly like, well, we got our guy. This is great. I do understand that the injury, this ankle thing is a bit of a concern, but we got him and we have our shortstop. And so far he has not shown any issues with that ankle. And he's definitely a great presence to have on the team as well. So really excited about that. And then, uh, of course, the Luis Arise trade, bringing in Pablo Lopez. Now, it really, really, really stinks to see Arise go. I, you know, in an age of tons of swing and missing and swinging for the fences, Arise's contact skills that won him the bang title last year were really, you know, huge, huge factor in um, 
huge positive factor for the twins over the past few years. Fan favorite, great guy, really fun player to watch, and it stinks to see him go. However, the Marlins were asking for a premium price for a really good starting pitcher, so that was the guy we had to give up. And, you know, there is a bit of a log jam in terms of lefty hitters in the Twins lineup. This frees up uh, first base now for Kirilov to play at first. Hopefully he can stay healthy. But it was a tough trade letting a rise go, but I can see why they did it. And I'm really happy that we did get Pablo Lopez because if we stood pat and didn't do anything with our team, with our rotation this offseason, that would have been a massive disappointment. Pablo Lopez has been really solid for the Marlins over the past three years. Last year was his first, um, well, in 2020 he was healthy, but short season because of COVID. In 2022 he was also healthy with a... Some injury problems in 2021, sandwiched in between there. But over those three seasons, he's made 63 starts, ERA of 3.52, a FIP of 3.48, which is about the same. So again, no overachieving there. Uh, 9.2K per nine, a whip of 1.16. You know, he can get you pretty deep into games. He's definitely was a solid number two behind Sandy Alcantara. He's now... I wouldn't quite call him a race. I still think Joe Ryan probably slots in there. But you know that one, two, three punch of Ryan Lopez and uh, Sonny Gray? Pretty nice. Um, and then, you know, the Twins have plenty of options now to fill those four and five spots, whether it's like, uh, well, Chris Paddock will become back later. Maeda will be recovering from injury. Uh, Bailey Ober, Louis Varlin looked decent in his call-up. Uh, Simeon Woods-Richardson, other guys like that. So now... Lopez helps giving the Twins uh, in a rotation that has a bit of uncertainty. I mean, we had we have lots of good depth options. We're just potentially good depth options. We're just not sure if they're going to pan out yet. So having a little bit of a kind of more of a guarantee kind of this guy is going to throw well for us this season, barring something catastrophic happening, is really nice to have. So we had to give up a great player to get him but i think in the long run it will be worth it also don't ignore the joey gallo or michael joey gallo signing or the michael a taylor trade if or more likely when byron buxton gets hurt joey gallo is a solid defensive outfielder and i think that playing in minnesota will just be a nice reset for him he might be able to get his hitting stroke back we're hoping but at the very least solid defensive outfielder um not buxton level for sure but He's won some gold gloves before. He can definitely play, flash a leather. And then bring in Michael A. Taylor, who's basically Byron Buxton, with who's just a slightly below or like pretty much about the same fielder. Definitely not as good of a hitter, but again, but definitely serviceable. He's better than like calling up your triple A center fielder and having him play 50 games while Buxton's hurt. Taylor is a competent big league hitter. He can hit around league average, and he's done it before and is pretty much just like Byron Buxton in the outfield. So the twins now have a very nice insurance policy given the knowledge we have about Byron Buxton and his uh, many injury concerns. So, and of course the Gallo Gallo signing helps beef up the lineup a lot and bring in a solid catcher of Christian Vasquez uh, coming off a world series win with the Astros. Uh, He's also won a world series with the Red Sox. Got some 20 home run power in that bat he's shown. Uh, great with pitching staffs. Great clubhouse guy. He'll connect well with our Hispanic uh, arms. Uh, just uh, Puerto Rican. So there will be that bond there, which is always nice to have with young guys who are trying, young guys who are trying to kind of 
fit in, not just on a new team, but in a new country. So uh, all for that as well. All right. And then on to the number four team, I'm going with the Texas Rangers. Now, the Rangers were tough because on one hand, I was thinking, you know, they did so much for one part of their team, the rotation, but they didn't really do anything else for anywhere else. They didn't really beef up the lineup or improve that at all. However, so that would kind of take away from them here. However, they did so much for the rotation that it just, you had, you have to acknowledge it. I mean, it's all the people they brought in was pretty, pretty wild. So let's start their ace from last year. Unexpectedly, their ace, Martin Perez, he has a chance to walk away in free agency. Nope. They give him the qualifying offer. He's coming back. However, they don't need him to be the ace anymore which is smart because, you know, Perez, pretty mediocre pitcher throughout his career, has a breakout season last year, can't keep it, keep it up. Unfortunately, probably not. But now you can put him back deeper in the rotation because you just signed one of the greatest, if not the greatest pitcher of our era, Jacob deGrom. He's out Queens. He's in Texas now. I mean, with the injury concern, there's a lot of injury concerns with him over the past couple of years. But man, I mean, he looked very strong and healthy at the end of this past season, and he pitched super well. I mean, 3.08 ERA isn't super flashy, but 14.3 Ks per nine, 0.75 whip. Holy crap. I mean, if you take uh, DeGrom's last three seasons and combine them all, 38 starts a little bit more than one full season, 0.73 whip, 2.05 ERA, 1.8 FIP, 14 Ks per nine, and a 9.5 strikeout per walk ratio. I mean, just absolutely filthy. And sure, you know, Globe Life Park is a little more of a uh, hitter-friendly park, but I think DeGrom's going to do just fine, and he's going to bring a lot of leg- legitimacy to that uh, Rangers rotation, which has been really bad for a while now. But they didn't stop there. They also brought Nathan Eovaldi, the Red Sox ace. You can slot him in comfortably as your number uh, three or four. They have him at four on the uh, Fangraphs de- depth chart. I mean... No, Eovaldi has had a long, pretty successful career. Uh, got a World Series ring with the uh, with the um, with the Red Sox. Was an All Star and uh, got fourth place in Cy Young voting just uh, back in 2021. You know, um, solid. He'll give you about an ERA in like the mid to high threes. Lots of strikeouts, not a ton of walks, which is good too. Um, yeah, very solid uh, bolstering of that rotation as well. And there's more. They brought in Andrew Heaney, who had a breakout year with the Dodgers last year. And they also brought in Jake Odorizzi in a trade with the Braves. And I feel like I'm missing someone. Uh, no, I think that's it. Uh, oh, they did bring in Danny Duffy as well. But now what you're looking at here is a rotation with DeGrom, Ivaldi, Perez, Heaney, and John Gray. John Gray, who last year coming into last year was probably their ace. Now he's just he can be the number five guy. And John Gray is a very good number five guy. So now suddenly this rotation is one of the most well-rounded, consistent uh units in all of baseball. So I, you know, all for that. And the lineup, while they didn't really add anything to it, there's an interesting little core there. You had Nate Lowe had a great season last year. Simeon will hopefully bounce back after a slow first year in Texas. Corey Seager, really solid, really solid addition. And that's the other thing too you got to think about is the um, the Rangers 
made the big additions to their lineup with Seager and Simeon this past offseason, but they didn't do anything with the pitching. So now they're doing something with the pitching. You've got Adolis Garcia in there. You got Jonah Heim, who's turning into one of the best young catchers in baseball. You got Brad Miller in the OD Tavares as uh, some depth. You've got Mitch Garver still around. So you've got some options here. So this is not a bad lineup by any means. It would have been nice to improve it a little bit, but that pitching really needed to be improved, and they did a ton to improve it. Does it make them a contender? You know, maybe a dark horse wildcard team for sure. It's going to be tough to compete with the Astros in this division, but uh, that rotation certainly will help. All right, now on to number three, and I think this one's my like biggest reach. I'm really high on this team. Most people would agree they had a solid offseason, but I think they quietly had one of the best offseasons of this of anyone, and that's the Chicago Cubs. Now, if you think about too, this has a lot to do with where the Cubs play. They play in the NL Central, which is probably one of the weakest divisions in all of baseball. And the Cardinals don't really scare anyone at this point. And the Brewers are, um, you know, they're kind of in a weird place right now. They're in a, you know, their win- it seems like their window's kind of closing. And then you got the Pirates and Reds who are still years away from contending at this point. And yeah, so the Cubs have an opportunity here. Um, They can strike and they can surprise a lot of people. And I think they really did a lot to improve their team this offseason. So let's look. They brought in Dansby Swanson, one of the big four uh, shortstops, maybe not quite on the elite level of a Trey Turner or Carlos Correa, but Dansby's a solid clubhouse guy, uh, great with the glove and a solid offensive uh, player as well. I mean, he wasn't the uh, first overall pick uh, for no reason. I mean, <laughs> you know, consistently will give you, um, you know, he's coming to his own a little more over the past few years, but consistently gives you about, a, you know, OPS in the mid to high sevens, maybe even an eight. That was in 2020, but very durable, too. He's only missed two games over the past three years. Uh, you know, gold glove winner last year. Definitely anchors the middle of that infield, something they've been lacking kind of since uh, the Baez and Bryant days. Um, and that's not all. They brought in Jamison Tyone, which I think is a very, very underrated signing. They already have a pretty decent rotation. They got Marcus Stroman. They have um, young guys like Justin Steele and uh, Keegan Thompson and uh, some, you know, plenty of young arms to go around. Um, but, you know, they needed a little more kind of big league, a little more season talent. And Jameson Tyone fits that bill perfectly. He's a solid number two behind Stroman. And really, I really, really, really like that addition. And then they bring in Cody Bellinger, big bounce back candidate. You know, great with the glove. The bat's been kind of off for the past couple of years. But if he can get even, he doesn't have to even get back to MVP form from a few years ago. If he can just get back to being an above average hitter, he'll be a plus addition for them. I mean, he the power's still there. It's just the uh, the average is tanked a bunch, and the strikeouts are way too high. But again, change of scenery. I mean, there's no more friendly, fun place to play, in my opinion, than Wrigley Field. You're pretty hard-pressed to find somewhere better. So bring him in, and then bring in another bounce-back candidate in Eric Hosmer, you know, veteran presence kind of mentor some of these younger guys in the lineup, like the uh, Chris Morels and the Nico Horners, guys like that. Um, Nico Horner's a very solid second baseman. Kept Ian Happ around. He's been a very solid offensive player for them. Uh, everyone was assuming he'd be gone by a trade at the deadline last year, but he's not. You still got Say Suzuki. 
You brought in Trey Mancini as well. You brought in Tucker Barnhart, who's not an amazing catcher, but good defensively. Um, really, really good defensively, not great with the bat. Not amazing with the bat, but, you know, they have, um, yeah, you've got guys like Patrick Wisdom still there. You're kind of supplementing that lineup with uh, bringing in uh, Starlight Swanson and some guys who could bounce back like Hosmer and Bellinger, and then having Trey Mancini around as well is always good. And, yeah, with Tyone Thompson, uh, Drew Smiley, Justin Steele and Stroman. I mean, Kyle Hendricks, too, if he, uh, although he's been out for a long time with a strained shoulder, we'll see if he can return to form. You've got a Cubs team that could definitely surprise some people. And I'm not saying they're going to win the NL Central, but I think that they've put themselves in a much better position to return to the playoffs maybe a little bit sooner than we thought. Now on to um, these two are kind of obvious. I think most people would put these as their top two. Uh, second best team in terms of their offseason, got to go with New York Mets. Steve Cohen just shelled out a bunch of money. Uh, largest contract ever for a relief pitcher to Edwin Diaz to keep him around. Got Adam Ottavino, extended, or not extended, re-signed Brandon Nimmo. Um, brought in Justin Verlander and Jose Quintana. Brought in David Robertson. Brought in Kode Senga from Japan. Brought in Omar Navias to shore to improve their catching situation a bunch. Didn't lose a ton of big names. I mean, losing guys like uh, Trevor May and Seth Lugo from your bullpen does hurt. But again, keeping uh, keeping Diaz around, bringing Robertson out of Vino helps. Um, did lose Chris Bassett and Taiwan Walker and DeGrom. That, that does hurt. But again, they brought in the guys to replace them. You bring in Justin Verlander, the ageless wonder. You bring in Jose Quintana, who's coming off a huge resurgence with Pittsburgh and St. Louis this past year. Um, yeah, uh, bringing in, um, Carlos Correa would have been just the cherry on top. So it's not really that big of a dent in their off season because they wound up losing out on him. Maybe I mean, if they, didn't, it seems like they didn't want, I mean, Steve Cohen was not willing to put up with all this drama. So, you know, good for him, I guess, for knowing what he wants and sticking to his guns. Oh, they brought in Tommy Pham too. Forgot about that. But yeah, very solid rotation. You got Verlander, Scherzer, Senga. Um, at the top three, and then Quintana is your number four. So revamping that whole rotation, even though you lost Walker, Bassett, and DeGrom. You got Adovino in there with Diaz. Keeping him around is really important. In this crazy cutthroat NL East, you had to get out and bring in as many people as you can, and the Mets definitely did that. They made an extremely loaded, really good team. In my opinion, they, it's hard to make that kind of team better, but it seems like they have. They've... There's a lot of questions. They answered a lot of them. They've got their closer back. They've got their center fielder. They've got their ace. They're they're looking just fine. It's going to be really fun to watch them play, especially against a team who I think had a better offseason than they did, the, ver- the upstart Philadelphia Phillies. The Phillies, you know, this past season, no one was expecting them to make the World Series. They didn't win, which is obviously disappointing, but – you got to look at their season and just be amazed that they were able to make it to that point because on paper, it really didn't make sense. And for most of the season, it didn't seem like it was going to happen. But they got hot at the right time. They had the spirit in the fight and they got it done. And what do they do? Instead of being like, oh, wow, that was a fun, fluky season. Um, let's just run it back and see what we can do uh, with the same group. They were like, nope, we've shown that we can win with this core, with this group. We need to make it better, though, so we can go all the way. That's exactly what they did. And what was the knock on the Phillies last year? Bad defense and slow. And somehow it still worked for them, but you can't rely on that consistently. So what they do? They get an elite defender 
who is the def the baseball definition of speed. Trey Turner, great defensive shortstop. He's that anchor in the middle of the infield they've been lacking for so many years. Simon Dombrowski gets him for a massive deal. I mean, that was one of the, you could make a case, the best signing of the offseason. Given what the Phillies need and what Trey Turner brings, just a match made in heaven. It was absolutely perfect. And then they also brought Josh Harrison as your second baseman, which is interesting, or, well, I guess more of an infielder. Um, on the major league end as well, though, but they brought in a lot of bullpen arms. They lost a few. They lost Nabel and Brad Hand. But they brought in Craig Kimbrell and uh, Matt Stram Strom on the free agent market. Both, uh, you know, Kimbrell, one of the best closers of this generation. Uh, kind of, you know, we'll see if he can return to form. He wasn't necessarily awful with the Dodgers last year. There just were a couple. There's, there's kind of on a slump and some bad games kind of inflated his stats. But he, he does still show signs of having it. And you don't need him to be K Craig Kimbrell of you know, 2012 with a ERA below one. You just need him to be Craig Kimbrell, closer that no one wants to face, you know, not otherworldly, but just one of the better one, better relief pitchers in the game that you can turn to and depend on. Uh, trade for Gregory Soto, who I feel like is a little underappreciated because he played on so many bad Detroit teams, but really solid lefty arm. Uh, gives them another option to go along with Jose Alvarado, and they've got Sir Anthony Dominguez as well. So, yeah, showing up that bullpen uh, and then also bring in Taiwan Walker. Walker is perfect for this Phillies rotation. You got the one-two punch of Nolan Wheeler, but kind of lacking a little bit of oomph behind them. Walker fits in nicely as a number three. You're not depending on him to be your ace, but he can definitely be your number three. He fits in there really nicely. And you got Suarez as well um, behind him. So, yeah, that Trey Turner sign, though, that just really – just sealed the deal. Perfect way to bring them in and really address a major need, a big weakness, uh, defensive defensive play in the infield, especially at shortstop, getting some speed on that team as well. Um, besides JT Ramuto, of course, can't forget that him and the speed demon that he is um, great signing. And then, yeah, shoring up the rotation, adding to the bullpen, compensating for some lost pieces. This Phillies team looks, they're not, they weren't content to just sit on their hands all offseason and just kind of rest on their laurels. They're ready to run it back again for real. They know it's going to be tough playing with Atlanta and New York again, but they're ready to get it done. So, yeah, those are my uh, six winners of this past offseason. Um, you know, definitely, I mean, feel like especially with the Cubs, there's a big, a uh, little bit of a reach there. And, you know, you can accuse me of being biased with the Twins. Where are the Blue Jays? Where are the Angels? Just not quite there. The Angels especially. They did a lot, but I'm still I'm not convinced it's uh it's I still think it's smoke and mirrors. That organization is just they're in a bad way right now. Um they didn't have an awful off season. If you were to ask me, some teams that had awful off seasons were the White Sox. It brings me uh, great joy to say that as uh, a division rival. But, you know, and so a lot of this isn't even under their control. I mean, Ben Tendy was nice, but they didn't do much else. The one starting pitcher they brought in turns out to allegedly, but be a piece of crap. I say allegedly, but still, if that's just, if this is true and we can prove it, that's very awful and Clevenger should never pitch again. Um, yikes, big yikes. And then, of course, as I mentioned, I think last month, you know, Liam Hendricks, 
with his diagnosis, that's obviously awful and you can't plan for that, but just nothing seemed to really go right besides bringing in Ben Tenney, but the White Sox needed to do so much more. The Rockies really didn't do anything either. I think the problem with the Rockies is that you, you, you act like you're going to tank and then you sign guys like Chris Bryant somehow, like you let Nolan Arenado go, but then you sign Chris Bryant. So you, you give up one elite third baseman for another elite third baseman. So it's like all this, Oh, we're trying to contend, but we're doing things that are super confusing. Um, and now their owner is saying real great expectations for them. If we can play 500 ball, I mean, that is the goal, you know, don't want to, you know, put too much pressure on the boys, you know, right. And, uh, as long as the fan, as long as you keep giving me ticket money, I'll stay in business forever. Um, the giants, it wasn't so much their fault. It was just disappointing. They tried to, they, they pushed the envelope for guys like, um, for Aaron judge, uh, Correa, they're really trying to bring in those big names. They brought in some good kind of backup pieces like Hanniger and, uh, Rogers and people like that, but definitely kind of a letdown. They were giants fans were hoping for so much more and they tried. They just, they couldn't quite seal the deal. Unfortunately, given how good the Padres and the Dodgers are, that just isn't going to cut it. And the Red Sox, very confusing offseason. Extend Rafi Devers made a laughable offer to Xander Bogarts, though. Um, it's a little bit confusing, and I think people are disappointed, but it could be looked back on as a terrible offseason. But maybe Heim Bloom is just, maybe he's a, some kind of secret meta genius. I don't know. But anyway, um, I think that's going to wrap up my thoughts on the best, uh, the best off seasons, the teams with the best off seasons. So thank you for tuning in. And I'm super excited to announce that in a few weeks, once spring training really gets going, I'm going to be making individual short episodes dedicated to each of the 30 teams doing a season preview. It's going to take a lot of work and time to put that together. It's not going to be a full length 30 to 40 minute for each team, but I'm thinking, you know, like a 15, like 12 to 15 minutes would be a good spot. And I'm going to do all 30 teams and give them all the same amount of airtime and look into things as um, deeply and uh, through as many different lenses as I can to kind of see what's going to go on here, who to keep an eye on. And yeah, I mean, you know, spring is the season of optimism. Even if you're a fan of a team like the A's or the Reds or the Pirates, unfortunately, I'm sorry, I'm sorry for for that you have to deal with that, but there is still there are still reasons to be positive. So we'll find those reasons. But anyway, have a good rest of your night and thank you for tuning in. All right. Thank you for listening to this episode of Straight Out Left. As always, you can find this podcast on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple, Amazon Music, and many other of your favorite podcasting platforms. Make sure you give it a five-star review or follow it or do whatever you got to do to make sure it shows up in your feed. Thank you once again. I appreciate you listening, and I will talk to you all again soon. And buckle up. We are almost to spring training.